So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Common Sea Inspirations production being produced in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And it's the 14th of March. It's the fourth Sunday in Lent. My name is John Keeley. You're very welcome, and thanks for joining me. Also joining me today, um, Shane Elbrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Thank you very much indeed. And also, we've got a special guest inside the studio here this morning to join us again, Father Frank Dewey. Good morning to Father Frank. Morning, John. Morning, Shane. Thanks for joining us, Father Frank. And of course, we especially want to welcome all those listeners who are joining us who are housebound, lonely, struggling, on their own. It's always important, if we can, these days, maybe to give a bell, give a phone call to the, you know, to our neighbours who would be on their own, who needs our support. In prayer, yes, but also maybe just the odd word here and there would, would certainly help them out and encourage them. Our programme, as listeners would be aware at this stage, is broadcast on West Limit 102 at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. The 10am session is uh, taken over, well, most of it is taken over by Mass, being broadcast from Abbeyfield Parish. And just as reminded people from last uh, last year, this time last year, this Sunday last year, was the first Sunday that we had actually broadcast Mass. Again, that was from Abbeyfield Parish, and that was followed actually... Um, no, actually, the first one actually was f- with yourself, Father Frank, in Newcastle West. Do you remember that? Sorry, John, the that's, that's 12 months ago. Paris Centre. The Paris Centre. So again, so just remind us again, of course, 10 a.m. Mass uh, and, and, and the 10 a.m. session here and we're summit 102. 11 p.m. is where we have our regular programme. You can listen back to any of the podcasts we, uh, we have uh, ever recorded on here going back the last 12 years, 11, 12 years. Uh, come and see inspirations.buzzbed.com. Just Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. We're also available, as my grandchild told me there a few days ago, uh, they can hear us on Spotify and iTunes. And also, in more, more recent times, we can also check us out on Come and See Inspirations on Facebook. But uh, if you want to contact us at all, our text number is 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, this is what you've all been waiting for, where Shane is going to introduce us to Saints for the Week. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, thanks, John. No pressure, like. Um, <laughs> so, good morning, listeners. So, as John said, we're looking at our celestial guides for the coming week. So, um, a couple of interesting ones on the calendar for the next few days. Of course, first things first, today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, as John said at the top of the program. And of course, it is also Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, and as it is, and of course, it is also Latare Sunday. So we know that we're, you know, I think it's a two thirds of the way through Lent um, as it stands at the moment. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. For the, um, for the coming week, fourth week of Lent. Monday the 15th is the feast day of St. Louise de Manliac, I think is how you pronounce the woman's name. She is a French saint, uh, considered a vo- religious vocation from an early age, but she wasn't able to because of ill health. She married a guy called Anthony Lagrasse in 1611, and he died in 1625. And she's very much associated with St. Vincent de Paul because she is the foundress of the Daughters of Charity in 1642. And she served as its superior until it's her death in 1660 in Paris of natural causes. Then on Tuesday the 16th, we have the feast day of St. Finian the Leper, he's called. St. Finian Le, um, excuse me, on the Irish calendar. He was a disciple of St. Columba, founded a church and monastery in Ishfallon. Uh, he was a monk, also a Clonmore, an abbey, 
Abbot of Swords, and he retired to Clonmore to spend his last days as a prayerful monk. He was called Finian the Leper because he briefly contracted leprosy when he miraculously cured a young boy of the disease, according to the tradition, and he died in 560 AD. Then on Wednesday, of course, the 17th of March, it's the big one, we have St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick, Bishop, Principal Patron of Ireland, Apostle to the Irish, um, and of course it is the national holiday. So a happy feast day to all those uh, those who are Patrick or have Patrick in their name. And we have a lovely reflection from Father Michal Liston on part two of the program around St. Patrick and St. Patrick's Day. And St. Patrick, of course, is said to have died um, as in, in 491 AD and, of course, is said to be buried in Down Patrick. Then on the 18th of March, we have the feast day of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. St. Cyril, a priest or Christian of Jerusalem, priest ordained by St. Maximus, a great teacher of catechumens, that is, those who were preparing for baptism. His teachings are still available. They're one of the earliest church teachings that we have. He was a bishop of Jerusalem in 348, and he was exiled as part of the controversy around Arianism, which denied the divinity of Christ. He was involved with the Council of Constantinople in 381, and he's regarded as a Greek father of the church, and he's also categorized as a doctor of the church in the Western church. That's St. Cyril of of Jerusalem, and he died in 386. Um, Then, of course, Friday next week, the 19th, is, of course, the feast day of St. Joseph, husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it ranks as a solemnity in the liturgical calendar. Of course, this year it has a particular resonance because we are, of course, in the middle of the year of St. Joseph and it is one of the particular feast days that has been highlighted uh, for those who wish to obtain the indulgences that are going with the celebration this year for St. Joseph. As the other thing, of course, that we remember on the 19th of March is, of course, it is the anniversary of the inauguration of the Petrine Ministry of Pope Francis as the Bishop of Rome when he was inaugur- inaugurated as Bishop in 20- the Bishop of Rome in 2013. So I suppose we should pray for Pope Francis, particularly on Friday, as he tries to lead the church in these particularly challenging times. And I think all of us would have been extremely impressed with his uh, visit to Iraq uh, in last week. Finally, then, on Saturday, it is the 20th of March. We're celebrating the feast day of St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne. Um, he very much, he lost, he was, sorry, orphaned at an early age. He worked as a shepherd. And he had a vision of St. Aidan, who, which encouraged him to enter the monastery at Lindisfarne, at Melrose, rather, uh, which was founded by St. Aidan. And he and other monks abandoned that monastery for Lindisfarne because there was a dispute over liturgical practices. And he set up the new monastery in Lindisfarne around 676. And he died uh, in... Uh, 687 at Lindisfarne. Now, it's an interesting one. This is a man that's all over the shop. Um, His body currently is at Durham Cathedral. And his body and the head of St. Oswald were deemed to be incorrupt at the time when they were moved there in 1104. So it's an interesting place. So that's Cuthbert of Lindisfarne, who we celebrate on the 20th of March. So, John, that's what we have in terms of the liturgical calendar this week. Next Sunday, of course, being the fifth Sunday of Lent. Thanks for that, Shane. Okay, there's a few notices. I know you got one or two yourself, but I might just start off with one or two that I got here. We again uh, continue to promote the Lenten missions, uh, and that's on Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Mount St. Alphonsus Church in Rimmit, the Redemptist. So you can get that through novena.ie, 8 p.m. 
Tuesday, the Scripture Reflections with some young students, actually, 8pm from Knox Ryan, and that's at knoxryan.ie. Uh, Thursday evening, 8.30pm, Living the Christian Life, hosted by Father Eamon Conway. Again, knoxryan.ie. Good Friday, next, uh, Prayer Around the Cross from Newcastle West here, 7pm to 8pm, West Limit 102, with the young people from Newcastle West and our own Father Frank Dewick will be arranging that. And St. Patrick's Day, uh, just next Wednesday, we're delighted that West Limit 102 are hosting us in, in uh, transmitting 10 a.m. Mass from the Church of the Assumption in Abbeville. Shane, you got a few yourself? Yeah, so this is would be of interest. There's a couple of them here. First of all, if you are the parent of a child who will be getting confirmation in 2021, uh, Limerick Diocese is hosting... Uh, a webinar on the 23rd of March from 7 to 8 p.m. with Dr. Patricia Kieran. And if you want to register to attend it, um, your best link, your best bet is to check out the diocesan Facebook site or to check out the website. As you just, you just need to register to attend the Zoom call. Registration closes on the 19th of March. Second thing, then, uh, for families out there, if your parents in particular, if you're looking for ideas and suggestions, what to do with the children for St. Patrick's Day, particularly given that um, there won't be any public liturgies uh, that we can attend. The Diocese has published Ideas and Resources. It's available on the website. It's a two-pager, lovely little some reflections and prayers and ideas for what to do with the kids in particular. And then another one, just to put it out there, just to say to people, also on the 23rd of March, um, the... The Cashel Province, that's the Munster Province of Dioceses, are hosting a virtual discernment evening for those who are discerning um, vocation to the priesthood. And again, that's on, that's online. It's from 7.30pm to 9pm on Tuesday, the 23rd of March. And for further information, registration, contact info at vocations.ie. Also, just to remind people, the talks at Glinstall on Saturdays during Lent continue. They're at 2 p.m. on Saturdays. They're available on the Glinstall website. And they're also being recorded so you can listen back to it afterwards if you can't listen to it at the time that they go out. And then I know there's one I've forgotten, John. Oh, yes. So just to also say to people, just to check in as well, local parishes, particularly across West Limerick, are doing Stations of the Cross over the Lenten season. So every Friday during Lent from at 9.30 a.m., they are being broadcast uh, from Abbey Field. And then Friday, the 12th of March, and every week after that at 8 p.m., they are being broadcast by from Glynn Church by the, the pastoral unit in that part of the county as well for those that want to participate. So Friday at 9.30 a.m. in uh, Abbey Field, and Glynn at at 8 p.m. on Fridays uh, for, for, for Lent if you want to participate in the Stations of the Cross, something which actually this time last year the Holy Father encouraged people to do, uh, particularly due to the COVID restrictions. Uh, there's a spiritual communion prayer that we always pray before um, before uh, each Sunday morning, especially these, these Sunday mornings when we, when we can't receive Jesus in, in Holy Communion. And Father Frank is going to pray that prayer for us this morning. Thanks, Father Frank. Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to separate myself from you. Amen. 
So, th- thanks for that, Father Frank. So, now I want to play um, an interview that I made during the week, early on during the week, with Trish McCarty and Geraldine Mead, who shared with, with me their um, their thoughts on Troca and how they would like to help out with this project. So, just following this then, um, there's a beautiful piece of music, actually, that we thought would be appropriate to play directly after this interview. So after this, please join us again in part two, where, as Shane alluded early on, uh, Father Michal Liston shared his thoughts on St. Patrick going back to 2013. But in the meantime, let's listen to Trish and Jolene. So today I'm speaking with Trish McCarty. She's the parish secretary here in Newcastle West. Lovely to have you join us here and come and see Inspirations this morning. Um, Trish, you're very welcome. Thank you, John. Thanks a lot indeed for, for coming and speaking with us this morning. The reason why I'm chatting with um, Trish this morning is you're involved with Trocra. You're, in fact, you're the Trocra rep for the Newcastle West Parish. What's involved? Or how do you get involved with that, Trish? I'm a volunteer with Trocra now for about four years. At that time, both the Limerick Diocese and Trocra we're hoping to get some lay people involved across the diocese. So after a little persuasion from Father Duig, I decided I'd give it a go, and I was happy to get involved. A little persuasion from Father Frank, yeah, he tends to do that from time to time, doesn't he? But anyway, what does being a, a parish rep or a volunteer mean to you? As a volunteer for Trocra, I need to attend regular meetings. Here I get to meet the other volunteers from different parishes and we share ideas and thoughts. Marianne is in the Galway office and she works closely with the Limerick volunteers. At the moment we are on Zoom for meetings. I suppose I have always been interested in Trocra. At school when we were in the senior classes from third class upwards we had a weekly classroom collection of a penny for the poor children in the poor countries of the world. So we would keep a penny from our own pocket money. This made us aware that we were helping and reaching out to those who were less privileged than ourselves. Then at home, when I was a child during Lent, there was always a troker box, either on the mantelpiece or on the dresser. So it was always central to Lent. We would always give up sweets for Lent, and so what we would save from not eating sweets would go into the troker box. That's... Oops. That certainly brings back memories to me, all right, though, bringing that penny to school. That's a long time ago. So what, is it, so what does it involve for you at parish level, Trish? I put up a display in Newcastle West Church during Lent and again at Christmas for the Trocra Gifts campaign. Personally, I think it's nice to go and see the display and become aware of Trocra's work in third world countries. This year we have also notice on the railings of the church to remind people of Trocra, especially this year. The Christmas gifts campaign is where you would donate money on behalf of friends or family instead of buying a gift for them. You get a Christmas card which you can then send to them, displaying the gift you have purchased in their name. So your gift goes on giving. There are gifts like school kits, school lunches, chicks, maybe a gift of a well for water, and these range in price. But my favourite one was the gift of soap, which was the simplest gift of all, 
but had such an impact because now with the pandemic we all know how important it is to wash our hands. As a volunteer for Troker I have great support from friends and family. One of these is my friend Georgian and we both went to Bloom a few years ago to help promote the work of Trokra and the plight of people living in poor conditions. We met other volunteers there from around the country and really enjoyed our day at the Trokra stand. For Lent this year, and to support Trokra's Lenten campaign, another Limerick volunteer, Sharon Colopy, came up with the idea of why not walk and raise money for Trokra. So from Limerick with Love, we'll run over the six weeks of Lent so Geraldine and I have got involved in a small way. So now we come to the second half of this dynamic duo. Geraldine, Geraldine Mead, thanks a lot for coming on and speaking to us today. Thank you, John. Geraldine, tell us about your involvement with this venture. Well, Trish and I um, decided to get involved in From Limerick with Love Walk to Sudan. Um, it is a challenge for all levels of fitness encouraging everyone to get moving for Trokara. The idea is that, collectively, participants will cover the distance from Limerick to South Sudan, 6,241 kilometres, in order to show solidarity with the people of that country. We have some sponsorship cards already, and we will walk every day over the 40 days of Lent, socially distanced, of course, we meet halfway between our two homes early morning and we walk about four kilometres. Sometimes we do more. Whatever sponsorship we collect will go to this Limerick project for Trokara. While we walk for pleasure, not far from our minds is the struggle that these people face every day just to survive. We are aware that the people of the third world will walk miles just to get water for basic daily needs, while we have the luxury of a shower straight after our walk. Trish mentioned that we went to Bloom a few years ago, and that really opened my eyes to the extent of Trokers reach out to the third world. There were volunteers there with different stands displaying the work that Trokers do in so many third world countries. As small as our contribution is, we mustn't lose sight of the difference it will make in those poorer countries. Trish has mentioned we have family and friends who have agreed to sponsor us with whatever they can give. A euro can buy a lot more in these countries than here. And if everyone played their small part, as I've said, it makes a big difference in the poorer countries. Trish and myself are friends since we were teenagers and we have been walking all those years. We won't say how long that is, John. And it is wonderful to realise that what we will do for leisure will help the poorer people, especially the children, with the generosity of others. That's great, Geraldine. Thanks for that. Okay, so thank you very much indeed, ladies, for, for, for sharing that with us. And, of course, if listeners do want to help, and, of course, you might remember we did have Troker visit us early on, just a few weeks ago. Uh, again, just phone Troker, one 408 408 
or you can go onto their website, www.troca.org. Either way, there'll be a facility there to donate to Troca, and this is what this is all about. So there is a facility on the Diocesan website to donate towards this initiative, uh, a GoFundMe link, and you'll find that on the Diocesan on the Limerick Diocesan website. So now we'll finish uh, this particular part of the programme this morning with an appropriate piece of music. It's sung by Marty Hogan, and it's entitled Who Will Speak If You Don't? The world that the church must serve is the world of the poor. Persecution of the church is the result of defending the poor. My life has been threatened many times. I have to confess that, as a Christian, I do not believe in death without resurrection. If they kill me, I will rise again in the Salvadorian people. speak for the poor and the broken, who will speak for the peoples oppressed, who will speak so their voice will be heard, oh, who will speak if you don't?
And welcome back to the second part of Sacred Space in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley, joined the studio there by Anne Keeley and Father Michal Liston. Father Michal, uh, this is a very special day today, St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. You've been invited in this morning to speak to us about a lot of things, but specifically St. Patrick. What would you like to share with us this morning about St. Patrick? For me, St. Patrick is a person who, I suppose in a way, suffered a lot in his youth. Okay. And it was hurt, both by his own and uh, being taken as a slave and in exile and Mm. minding pigs and escaping and suffered a lot. And, but in the middle of all of that, he became conscious that God was talking to him, that God was, the presence of God maybe is the best word. When he was in, in the mountains and the hills, he was praying. And that the sense of the presence of God and that through prayer, he could talk to God Mm. and he could hear God. And I think that uh, sense, if any of us today, this morning here, and there's so much talk about uh, drinking St. Patrick's Day and uh, giving out about it or doing it or whatever. But if we could let that aside and just think of Patrick in his messing and his work and he discovering mysterious presence of God is here. Well, if he was on the mountainside with Patrick minding pigs, he's with you now driving a car or at home around at the, at the fire or having mm-hmm. your breakfast or wherever in hospital. God is present here and he's fond of you. He has time for you. He had time for Patrick and Patrick talked about how he had walked away from God like mm. the prodigal son. He'd forgotten all about God. And maybe we sometimes are careless and lazy or whatever, whatever. And maybe we're practical people and we're busy or whatever, whatever. But now maybe we're sick. Now mm. maybe we have time in our hands. Well, God is here like he was for Patrick. I think that's one basic point for me mm. about St. Patrick. Then there is the extraordinary thing of when he felt the call to come back to Ireland where he had been abused. In some way, through the grace of God, he found the generosity of heart to come back and share the most precious thing in his life, in his experience, the presence of God, the goodness of God, the abundance of God's grace. And he came back and he poured that out year after year. And then when people responded and he saw so many men and women becoming Christians, becoming priests and monks and nuns, he just was so overwhelmed with thanking God. Yeah. Me, with all my mess and all my limitations, it is God who has, who has done this. Yeah. It is like Mary. He who is mighty has looked on the lowliness of her servant. Mm. And that, uh, I love that in St. Patrick's Day, that a human being uh, giving glory to God. And the glory is God's because Patrick himself knew he, was, he had messed up certain things. And he knew that a lot of the people among whom he was living, they were messers too. And today, all Christians aren't holy, all priests and all of us aren't holy. But that isn't the point. It is the affection of God for us. It is the abundance of his grace. 
and that if we can, uh, through goodness, through prayer, through humility, through sharing, allow that spirit of that came into Patrick, that Holy Spirit of self-giving and thanks to God and for others, we'll be really, I think, getting in touch with uh, the spirit of Patrick that has been in this island for a long time now and giving meaning and meaning to thousands of lives can give meaning to our lives too. Quietly, that God is here and he has a heart for us, or a sheer grow affection, uh, not because we are good. If we are sinners, it, it, like the prodigal son, the heart of the father is to wrap us in the best robe and put a ring in our fingers and kill the calf. That affection, that's St. Patrick for me, who thanks God and couldn't stop pouring out thanks to God for what his grace had accomplished in his human life. Isn't that beautiful thing there, Father? I mean, that's, uh, that's only beautiful, Father. There's a few times you mentioned there the presence of God. And for myself, anyway, um, I, I, I can't help thinking of the wonderful gift that we in Ireland have been given, this gift of handing the faith down from Patrick to ourselves. But the faith, I don't mean the faith. What I mean is this, this concept of the presence of God. It's oh, such a yeah, wonderful gift. Such a and we had the story of the burning bush there recently yeah, in yeah. one of our Sunday Masses. And uh, I remember the first time I heard it in Ben Og National School. Mm-hmm. Take off your feet for where you stand this, take off your shoes yeah. for where you stand this holy, holy ground. ground. Yeah. And uh, there's something uh, beautiful about the sense we were given of the presence in the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe we could have developed a better sense of the presence in the poor, the presence of of the those who are hurt and who are abandoned. Mm. And maybe that's one of the things that the Pope is already calling us to, yeah. a sense of the presence of God in the poor, in the forgotten, the left aside, in the, the dignity of the unimportant. Yeah that here and in each other, in all of us, and in all creation, the presence of God. And it's not really epitomised in that wonderful piece of music that we'll play shortly, the deer's cry. Yes. I arise today. That's right. Through that's the strength right. of heaven, yes. light of the sun, splendour of fire. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me. If we only just cop that on sometimes, that whenever I wake up in the morning... The reason why I wake up is because God is there to help me out. And then I can go through my day as best I can with the strength of God to pilot me. And that's the presence of God again, isn't it? It is. Amen. Amen. Every second. And, and, and it's an affectionate presence. And yeah. I, yes. And, uh, as we found out last week in the gospel, and we'll find out today about the gospel, this loving presence of God that just wants to, as you often say, he's still mad about us. And no matter I, where I, I we are. I love the sense too of, and I think it was in St. Peter's Square that the, the Pope was, was presented, a healing, joyful presence. Yeah. A joyful presence that is healing. Mm. And uh, it is, in one sense, we are told that our world today is a secular world, nihilistic, materialistic, 
I was going to say blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if we can have the courage to see there is joy too, and there's a healing joy, if we will allow ourselves be anointed with that, the oil of that joy, to be for our wounds. Beautiful. I think we might we might leave the second part of the program, but I think um, maybe your parting words could be summed up in to allow this day to be an opportunity for us to reflect on the presence of God. Amen. We might just go out with a piece of music now, as promised. We might play this beautiful piece of music. Um, I'm tempted to say, the presence of the God, whoever presents you with your dinner today. <laughs> isn't that a lovely one to have as well, isn't it? We might go out in with this piece of music, and it's entitled The Deer's Cry, or St. Patrick's Best Plate, and it's sung by Angelina. Let's hear this. Stop. 
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space, 102FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Father Pekdu here in studio and Shane on the other end of the Skyplan. This is the part of the programme where we usually read and reflect on the Word of God, but maybe before that, uh, Father Fekas, we got you here. Um, we might just share a few thoughts with us on the sacraments. Yeah, this, like, well, last year, as you remember, we were in lockdown from March, so First Communion and Confirmation were um, uh, uh, disrupted, obviously, by that, and they didn't follow the normal pattern, like, so we ended up with... Um, very restricted numbers at the at the first communion and confirmation wherever there was confirmation last year, and uh, it was just yes. Sometimes the, the child and the parents or whatever it might vary a little from parishes, but very restricted numbers, mm-hmm. and we actually got astonishing positive feedback from it. You know, the parents were delighted with it. You know, maybe the thing. Maybe First Communion Confirmations have become a bit of a monster, you know, and have grown, you know, and trying to, this family are doing this and this family. But anyway, we got very positive feedback, but it looks certainly like um, it'll be uh, something similar this year. Now, parents have been ringing up the schools and ringing us up about when will the First Communion for dates. We're not really in a position, uh, any parish, I say, is not in a position to give a strict date. And, um, but I think... What the directive we got from the diocese, and it makes a lot of sense, is that basically, like, if we're very lucky enough from May, but uh, and if we're not as lucky from uh, June into September, will be the months in which those sacraments will be mm-hmm. celebrated, and there will be um, again, the, we, we are sure that it'll be the very restricted numbers, um, and maybe, maybe it's one of the positive things to come out of the COVID. We were astonished at the feedback last year from parents yeah so that's you often used to mention to us father frank dad i don't want to divert but but we often used to mention was about um the holy spirit works in all sorts of ways exactly yeah you know and i mean and even you know the way uh like we say when evil things happen you know you hear people saying that god sent this thing on the world to put manners on us i don't but but when evil things happen uh, he has a habit of drawing good out of them you know so and uh I think the Holy Spirit guides us through all the messes we get into. You know, it has done that through the history of the church. And this just might be, this sacramental thing might be at least to a, a focus on what the sacraments are really meant to be about. And peripheral things were pushed into the background last year. Maybe that's where they belong, you know. Is that something? That's nice to hear that. Good news for a change. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us, Father Frank. Okay, now we come to the part of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, Shane, we'll pray this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Shane, thank you for that. So now we'll invite Father Frank to read the Sunday Gospel for us today. Thanks, Father Frank. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading 
from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said to Nicodemus, The Son of Man must be lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Yes, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. No one who believes in him will be condemned. But whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he has refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. On these grounds is sentence pronounced, that though the light has come into the world, men have shown they prefer darkness to the light, because their deeds were evil. And indeed everybody who does wrong hates the light and avoids it, for fear his actions should be exposed. But the man who lives by the truth comes out into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. So thanks again, Father Frank, for, for reading that Gospel for us. Um, any few thoughts you'd like to share with us? Maybe. Yeah, I suppose maybe a few words of uh, explanation first. We have a character there called Nicodemus mm-hmm. mentioned uh, in, in this. Now, the only person that speaks in this Gospel is Jesus. Nicodemus doesn't say anything, but if you go back to the beginning of chapter 3, from which this gospel is taken, of St. John's Gospel, go back to the beginning and you will see there the story about this man, Nicodemus, who came to him by night. Now, Nicodemus was uh, a Pharisee, a very uh, benevolent and influential Pharisee. As you know, Jesus had a running battle with the, with the Pharisees and the scribes right through the gospel. Um but uh, this man was really listening uh, uh, to Jesus and was obviously searching for truth and saw something in the teaching of Jesus that, that made him very interested. And so we're told there, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 3, he came by night in the darkness, if you like, which we can connect up later with part of our text. And because he wanted to get some, uh, to discuss Jesus' teaching with him. And this gospel we have today is Jesus is part of Jesus' response to Nicodemus. Nicodemus in the earlier part asked a number of questions. This is Jesus responding. And the second thing that maybe just a little bit of uh, without going into too much is Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert. When the Israelites were traveling through the desert with Moses at times they got fed up and they complained and they said we'd have been better off back in Egypt mm-hmm and so forth, and uh, sometimes they reacted against uh, God and against Moses as his guide and so forth. And one time God sent a plague of serpents, and which was a poisonous plague of, of poisonous serpents, and some of them died, so they got very worried, and they're repenting now, and they want to come back to God. And God asked Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it on a standard and anybody who would look on that serpent would be saved. So that's the reference there about the raising up, uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so that everyone may have eternal life in him. And then there was a bit of a struggle with the people after that because, because when they looked on the serpent, they were cured, 
and they regarded the serpent as a kind of the saviour, so they had to be weaned off of that, so to speak. And um, but he was uh, Jesus was was the one that would save them. But um, they, they began to worship the serpent on the understand that that had to be dealt with as well. But just those two little bits of explanation. And Father Frank, can, can I just ask you something? About that? I mean, it's mentioned twice here that phrase, eternal life. Yes. Yeah, of course, that's the, and that's the, the concept that they could, couldn't make any hand of, you know, and um, no, why not? How, how could they? And, uh, but that's the whole thing of Jesus, as I've often said, if, if Jesus, his story ended on Good Friday, he'd be only a footnote now in history at best. But he, he turned the whole thing around, and when he conquered death and rose from the dead and opened up, eternal life. Christianity stands or falls on that, on the resurrection and the opening up to eternal life. So this is, okay. uh, okay. it's quite a struggle trying to get this concept, even though it is right there through the Old Testament in all kinds of ways, but it's hard to get their heads around. You often used to tell us at Lecture Divina, Father Frank, that um, then we have to look at this gospel in light of our own lives. Yeah, well, that's what Lexia Divina asks us to do. You know, when we when when we have our Lexia Divina sessions, um, the the whole idea is that God speaks. We're dealing with a God who desires to speak to His people. That's clear from the whole Bible story. And um, so, what Lexia Divina does, it it asks us to kind of listen to the Word of God and let the light of that Word shine on our lives. And see what does it tell us about ourselves, and 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 what, where does it lead us to? So it's um, to 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 listen, to listen to the the the, the word of God, and uh, relate it to our lives, and uh, that's why you know, John, at the Lexio Divina, when we have it, like there's always that period in the middle where people reflect on it, spend some time with it. And let it shine on their lives. So, and that ties in very much with the uh, the image there later on, of the light and the darkness. Uh, if we let the light of Christ's word shine on our life, mm-hmm. it teaches us a lot and leads us. Whereas if we're in the dark, you don't see where you're going. You know. Um, but eternal life is the reward of faith uh, in Jesus and in His His message. Now he has the, the 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 second verse there of the of the, of this gospel, is a one that we're all very familiar with, or maybe don't we don't realize how familiar we are with it. Uh, if you notice at sports events, there used to be a man called I think his name was John Hogan. He was certainly Hogan from Limerick City, and he went around to all sports events and he had a banner just John three sixteen. Now this is it, John three sixteen. Yes, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. It's known as everybody's text, that it has been called. This applies to everyone. There's a message here for uh, for everyone. But the, the key line there is that God loved the world so much, it's because of God's love for us that he sent Jesus. And in scripture study and in theology, they call that the divine initiative. If we are saved... We're not saved because we worked it out. No. We're, we're saved because we have got an offer of salvation from Jesus and we respond. Uh, in, 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 like in, with the first theology class I was ever in, 
And it was a man called Enda MacDonough who was buried only a week ago. God rest his soul, a very good theologian in Maynooth. He was a young professor when we started our studies in the early 60s. And he came into the classroom and he got to the days of chalk. Yeah. And he wrote up at the top of the board, invitation. And he wrote down at the bottom, response. And he put into the middle the name Christ. And he said, gentlemen, there is a summary of what our faith journey is about. As an invitation issued by God, our task is to respond to it. Jesus is the invitation. He brought the invitation. He is the invitation. Mm -hmm. And we respond to the invitation through him and through the language of Jesus. So, the, And that are, these are the people that choose the light yes. rather than the darkness. Now, of course, we all choose the darkness from time to time. Is he teases it out there very well, like we do. men have shown that they prefer darkness to the light because their deeds were evil. If we do something wrong, we'd rather it be done where people don't see us, especially something we're ashamed of, uh, than to have everybody seeing it. Um, hates the light because for fear his actions should be exposed. So, um, is Jesus that brilliant teacher that he was? He is this great man to produce images that we could all relate to. Every little child. Uh, I'd say every child is afraid of the dark initially yes, and they yes, all went through the stage where there's to be a little light left on in their room and then they wean them off of that maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, like, you know, because they associate the darkness with evil. Yes. And that kind of comes naturally to the child and that's the imagery there that Jesus is using, like, that um, the darkness, we, Jesus came to lead us out of the darkness into the light. Um, so that's uh, one thought there. The, um, uh, but, but I think what's very important, John, in this gospel is, is that it started with God. Yes, I heard that. God, God mm -hmm. is the, the divine initiative. God started all this. And if we are saved, we are saved not because we, just because we were very good and we did all the right things. Mm -hmm. uh, even all the right things wouldn't do us if God hadn't issued this invitation, the initiative of sending his son to die for us, mm. to prove the depth of his love, uh, of God's love for us. He said, you know, surely if I, if I ask my son to die for them, they will realize yes. I love mm -hmm. them. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, that's a phrase we often use ourselves, you know. Um, you know, if someone said that they really, they really believe a lot in the person, I would die for them. I would them, die for them. And it's often how some people express their love, you mm. know, and, um, and that's what God was doing when he asked his son to, to, to die on the, on the cross. So I think that that image of invitation and response to see our lives in that context, and the response is through Christ. Christ came speaking a language of love, and the language of our response must be love. Yes. Not just the words we speak, that's the easy bit, mm. but the actions of our lives. If they spell out love, then we are responding in, in the right language to that to that uh, uh, invitation that, that Christ brings to the world. Five, five, six, thanks for that. Now, I know we, we, we went up the clock uh, against the clock a small little bit. Shane, do, do, have you got a little thought there you want to share with us, please? I, I suppose one of the things, one of the challenges with John's Gospel is sometimes that it, it can be a little difficult to um, unpack and as Father Frank said, you know, particularly with this one, you kind of need to know the context of Nicodemus and the conversation, the discourse, as it's called, is the term that's used between Jesus and Nicodemus that's going on in this section of the gospel. But for me, I think, I suppose, it's that 
uh, idea about light, which um, which Father Frank referred to, which I picked up on trying to do some 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 reflection on on the gospel this week, and that whole idea that. And I presume that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why it's in, it's it's included in the readings for for the Lenten season. Um, that linkage of that you know Christ was moving towards Jerusalem to be lifted up on the cross of Calvary, but that is he is there as the light in the darkness that surrounds us. And you know, in terms of we're moving into spring at the moment, or we're well into spring at the moment, and the, you know, there's a good cock step in the day. But even so, it's been a long twelve months. As someone someone texted me last week, and they said, "Congratulations, this is the forty-eighth Sunday of Lent." <laughs> you know, because yeah. it seems like you know Lent has been going on uh, such a long time. And I suppose that's the one thing about the gospel this Sunday is the fact that Jesus was saying to Nicodemus that God's love will be there. A light has come into the world, although people have preferred darkness to light because their deeds were evil. And it's that whole thing that that, as Father Frank said there, that invitation is there. And it's also a reminder to us, too, that evil is not something in and of itself which is which evil can't be from God because God is not evil. So when we're looking for, you know, when we're looking around at us, we just need to be careful when people turn around and say things like that. I have quite a number of people over the last 12 months say things like, oh, you know, about the COVID and everything that's happened and a test from God. And it's like, well, no, not really, folks. Um, But also a reminder to us that we need to be people of hope. And it's very hard sometimes to do that. Uh, particularly in a prolonged, difficult situation like many people are facing at the moment. And for me, this Sunday's Gospel was very much focusing on that image of light and the idea of hope that awaits us, even though, like Christ, we have to go through the sorrow and the sadness of Holy Week, but we come out the end on Easter morn with that open tomb in Jerusalem. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. So that about brings us to the end of our programme today. Thank you very much, Neil, Father Frank for well, coming out and sharing with us this morning um, now, so Wednesday we're looking forward again to St. Patrick's Day don't forget at 10am we'll be able to broadcast Mass here from from Abbeville um, Parish and also we'll have a reflection on St. Patrick so just to finish up our programme again uh, today, Shane a final piece of music to see us out please yeah, so nice, lively, well, not lively, but I thought it was an encouraging piece of music for people this this Sunday, which is The Lord is My Shepherd, and people might recognise it. It's actually the version that was used on the Vicar of Dipley. Okay, so until next week, or, or sorry, until St. Patrick's Day, for myself, Shane, and Father Frank, thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the few days. God bless you all now. Bye. Thank you.